This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We've got Corey over Tom Anderson on the show today. It's a very fun show. We share a lot of the same values when it comes to shooting small animals and just having fun in the outdoors. Corey is a UFC veteran. He is a MMA champion. He is one bad to the bone dude, but yet he also loves getting out in the outdoors. It's the perfect balance to the fight life in Corey's mind. He does a really good job of getting his kids in the outdoors. We talk about the unique situation that Corey is in and how he gets to introduce a lot of people that have never been around hunting to the great outdoors. We talk about his journey in, in the outdoors. We talk about how he's gotten his kids out in the outdoors. His first deer he got to shoot with his son. It's a really cool story, guys. It's a fun episode. It's a good episode. Welcome to the Bear Archery Podcast brought to you by our good friends over at Scentlock. I hope you enjoy. With over 90 years of innovation, Bear Archery continues pushing toward the goal of founder, Fred Bear, making archery accessible for all. Fred believed the history of the bow and arrow for the history of mankind, and everyone should immerse themselves in the outdoor experience. Welcome to the Bear Archery Podcast, where the mission is simple, to hunt, grow, and inspire others. Guys, if you've been around hunting at all, you've probably heard of a little company called Muddy. I have learned that if it says Muddy on it, I can trust it. From tree stands, ground blinds, trail cameras, to all the accessories, if it says Muddy, it's a name I can trust. I love their tree stands. I love their ground blinds. I love their trail cameras, the new Merge and their Morph cellular trail cameras. They're phenomenal, especially when you pair them up with a solar panel and they last forever. Guys, I would encourage you to check out Muddy uh, for all your tree stands, ground blinds, all the accessories, bow hangers, uh, harnesses, everything tree stands or ground blinds or accessories related. If it says Muddy, I know that I can trust it. Guys, I know the new Rage. The new Rage is these super light tree stands that cost like 400 bucks, and I'm like, well, <laughs> why would I spend 400 bucks on one when I can spend 100 and get four tree stands um, that are all going to perform. They're all going to be safe. They're all going to be comfortable. Guys, Muddy is the gold standard, in my opinion, uh, for what a tree stand and a ground blind and trail cameras should offer you. So guys, go check them out. They are phenomenal. And I promise you, if you're shopping at a Dick's Academy, Bass Pro, Cabela's, anywhere, if it says Muddy, I promise you it's a name you can trust. 
All right, Corey. So before we jump into the heart of this conversation, which I'm super excited to talk about uh, some things with you, give us an introduction to yourself, man. Kind of kind of what all you do. And and obviously, people know who you are when you walk around ATA. Everybody wants to shake your hand. And uh, But uh, give us an introduction to yourself, man. Um, Corey Overtime Anderson, uh, 10 and 11, will be 11 years in March, professional MMA fighter. Um been ranked in the top 10 my whole career, fighting for the belt in Bellator March 22nd in Belfast, North Ireland. Um, outside of that, I'm a diehard, avid hunter and outdoorsman. Uh, I'm to say I was out with the e-bike, on the e-bike with the kids right before doing this. Uh, I try to get out and hunt and shoot my bow as much as possible. I'm not training or just ripping and running, so I mean... Pretty cool, laid-back guy. You see the ACA. I mean, I get to hang out with anybody, shake hands, introduce myself to whoever. A lot of people see me because I don't smile often and get intimidated and think I'm a this big D-bag or a-hole. But then you actually introduce yourself or say something, and you find out it's completely different. So what made you choose a career getting punched in the face? Like, what, what made you go, yeah, that's what I want to do for a living? <laughs> I was literally just talking to somebody about this at the gym the other day. It was more like the life chose me. Yeah, I tried, uh, since I was a college wrestler, I always had teammates that did MMA or whatever. And uh, my freshman year in college, I had broke my leg in three. And my brother-in-law was a professional boxer. So he was like, oh, we can do some boxing. We can do some rehab, blah, blah, blah. Get you moving your feet. So I did that. Like, well, you're already doing it. You might as well take a couple of amateur fights, see how you do. And uh, I won those. So I'm two and all as a boxer. And then some guy offered me to go pro and wanted to pay me. I was like, nah, because I can't. I'm a college athlete. I'm getting paid to wrestle. like a full ride athlete, so I can't. And then uh, over the years, I was just like, I had no interest in getting punched in the face. You know, it was cool. I was like, I don't want to do that. Everybody should be an MMA fighter. You're moving and you're just so light on your feet and you're athletic heavyweight. You could do well. Like, nah, I'm cool. And then some guy like, oh, would you coach us? So I was coaching guys and doing striking with guys and. It's every year, there's always a teammate or somebody that said, you should fight, you should fight, you should fight. And then uh, my senior year in college, Ben Askren was actually one of my coaches. And he said the same thing, like, man, you would be really good at MMA. And at the time, he was the Bellator 170 champ. And again, I'm like, I ain't got no interest. You know, I want to wrestle, go out and try for the Junior Olympics or qualify for the Olympic team, whatever, blase, blase. Uh so I make it to Nationals. I finish second. I lose in uh, National Finals. And he texted me saying, congratulations. And one day I was working with him. I said, yo, when I'm doing wrestling, since you're the Olympian, can you help me like train for the Olympics and stuff? Like, yeah, for sure. We text him and say, congratulations. Now we start the next journey. Meet me at this address tomorrow. Well, or not tomorrow, but like next week or whatever. So I go up to that address and it happened to be an MMA gym. And Ben was like, yo, what is this? I got my wrestling shoes, my wrestling workout. Okay, like, what, where are we at? Hey, look, man, I know I, you thought we was going to do some wrestling, but I just want you to try this. Just give it a try. Try it one time. If you don't like it, I'll never bother you again. Just give it a try. Let's see if you like it. And uh, I didn't try it that day. I was like, nah, I ain't doing this, man. I'm out of here. And I came back the next morning. Like, I couldn't sleep all night the whole way home. The gym was like an hour and a half from my house. And the whole way thinking, like, I should just at least try it. Who would know what I should at least try it. So I drove up the next morning, tried it, and it ended up being sparring day. And I was pretty good at it. And the coach said then, like, dude, if you did this for real, and you say you're not a fighter, but if you fight, you could be in the UFC within three fights. 
I mean, within three fights, I was on the Ultimate Fighter, and the rest was history. That's awesome, man. Now, where does hunting, where does hunting fall into all that? Were you a hunter, you know, born and raised a hunter, family of hunters, or did were you an adult onset hunter? Where does hunting fall into that journey? I was born into hunting, but it wasn't whitetail hunting. We uh, so we grew up breeding beagle dogs. We had horses, nice. farm and everything. So every weekend in the wintertime, it was rabbit hunting. You know, we load the beavers up, go out and run them. Up and down the tracks, the fields that ever chasing the rabbits, walking across the track, you're about to cross, about to cross. And that was it. And uh fishing all it was always outdoors on the weekends. Um, and it was all like twelve or thirteen, no, thirteen, because I was in high school. I was in high school at thirteen years old. And uh me and my dad went to this Chinese buffet. It was up in Northtown Mall, and as he walked by, it was this new archery range shop archery shop in there with a range, 3D range in there, and the target was going down and pop up. And you see everybody draw and start to shoot. And I draw back down and do it again. We sat there and watched at the window for a while. Like, what is that? And we uh, went in, asked questions, and the guy like, oh, 3D archery, this and that, blase, blase. And then at that point, we didn't know you can hunt with it. We just got into that and started shooting 3D archery probably like twice a week. And um, me, my dad, my cousin got into it a little bit. And then uh, probably what my junior year, because this point I'm driving. Junior year, I'm in a uh, football practice or wrestling practice, and tell one of my teammates, yeah, football or wrestling. Tell my team, oh, what you doing after school? With well, me and my dad going to shoot our bowls. Like, oh, are you deer hunt? I was like, what? And he was like, you you should deer hunt. You deer hunt with a bow, right? I'm like, like I at this point I had never even been out deer hunt. I never even heard of deer hunt. I just knew rabbits and coons and squirrels. So I'm like, what deer hunt? Like, yeah, you never deer hunting with your bows. Like, wait, you can kill stuff with this? Like, yeah, people do it all the time. He's like, tomorrow morning, I'll pick you up. Be ready at like 5.30. I'll pick you up before school. We'll go hunting. I'll show you how to do it. You got like a tree stand or anything? And uh, my dad had an old climber that he had bought from somebody, but we never use it. And that was the start of that. That's awesome, man. So where does the passion, and I've heard you talk about this a couple times, and it was intriguing. Where does the passion and the training and the lifestyle of fighting cross over with hunting? Because they're they're almost two different spectrums, but at the same time, you train for both, you work out for both. Um, but whereas fighting is this, you know, punching people in the face and 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 a brutal sport, and then you got hunting, which is a, a serene sport, and you're sitting and chilling, and you know, it's two different, complete different skill sets. Where does that passion collide with one another they balance each other just like anything that's good you gotta have balance so you know uh fighting is like you said it's kind of in the words chaotic you know what i mean it's yeah non-stop it's fast punches coming at you you gotta react gotta react slip punch take your guy down throw an elbow block this and that as for hunting it's just that calming moment and you know uh and i didn't realize how hand in hand they go they're complete opposites but they go hand in hand for somebody like me and i didn't realize it till after i had suffered a really bad knockout and the coaches didn't want me training anymore they wanted me to take a whole the rest of the year off of october or november 16th or something like that november 13th whatever my fight msg or ufc 217 i get head kicked knocked out by osp now i always even after i lose i will go right back to the gym i was always back in the gym on monday and this day when I went to go into the gym, professor, that's a jujitsu coach, was sent to do it like, no, no, brother, not today. 
Like, what? I got to get back? Like, no, brother, that was a bad knockout. I want you to go home. I don't want you doing anything. I don't want you to just rest. You've been knocked out two times in a row. I want you to just rest. I don't want you to think about anything else. Take your mind off fighting and just rest. And I called my other coach here with him. I was like, nope, I'm saying the same thing. We already talked. Nobody's letting you into the gym. You're not allowed in the gym because I got the name Overtime. I lived in the gym. I was always in the gym. Like, you're not allowed in the gym. Not until 2000, what, 2017, I said, because it was, seven, no, 2018, because the final 2017, not until next year, not until New Year, you're not allowed in the gym. I remember coming home to my wife, and I was going crazy, like, yeah, what do I do? Like, all I know is training. Like, that's all I do is I train. I live training and fighting and this and that. And I've hunted at the time, but it wasn't like I do now. And uh, she's a DeQuisto, along with Custom Gear. That's my wife's family. And, uh, she actually said to me, she was like, well, don't you like hunting? Like, you haven't done that much since you've been here in Jersey. Why don't you go online and see what it's like to hunt? Ain't it hunting season right now? Get your tree stand and a bow. You got a bow. Matthew just sent your bow not too long ago. Get the bow set up and head to the woods. And that's what I did that day. The next day, I uh, found this archery shop here. Went to make sure everything was tuned up right. Went to Dick's Sporting Goods, got a little field and stream climber for like $99. Grabbed a ghillie suit and some other stuff, some scent spray. Next morning, I was out in the woods in the dark. And I remember being there, still thinking about training. While you're sitting in the dark, waiting for everything to happen, I'm thinking about training. I want to train. Man, I can't wait to get back in the gym. Man, I can't wait to get back in the gym. I can't believe I got knocked out. I can't believe this. Thinking about what I could have did right and did better. And all of a sudden, the sun comes up. And you start hearing squirrels and stuff moving, and you start you're doing a little jump. So I was like, what the hell is that? What is that? Again, I haven't done this in a while. It's like, what is it? Oh, got moving. Are there squirrels and the birds going over the top of you? And all of a sudden, you find out, like you said, you're serene. You end up out there for like an hour or so just looking before you see anything, like a deer. And by the time I saw a deer and they walked off, I realized, man, I hadn't thought about that fight at all since sunup. And that's when I realized this is my balance. This is what I need. I need to be in the outdoors like this often so I don't think about the fighting. You know, I'm always training and focusing on fighting so much. And it can break you. If you like that, like Alex Bokanowski spoke about it after he got knocked out by um, Islam Makachev his last fight. He's, it feel like you need something to do. And my balance ended up being hunting. That'll keep me from overtraining or going crazy or being hard on myself. If I have a bad practice, I can come home, pop the tailgate down in my truck, grab the bow out the back seat, send about 30 arrows, and all of a sudden I'm good. I can go in the house, start the day over. So, like I said, it's my balance, and they still go hand in hand. Now, one thing that you said um, that I find interesting was that this whole journey started with really with, with no intent to hunt, you just enjoyed shooting a bow. And I tell people that all the time when you start talking about archery and you start talking about just the the release that it is and just the fun that it is and you know, get out and, and shoot a bow. They're like, Well, I don't want to hunt. You don't you don't have to hunt. You can just shoot a bow, you can just get into archery. Now, is that a great transition to get people into hunting? Absolutely, it was for you. So what do you say to that guy who, you know, maybe they have started They've started shooting bows and they've fallen in love with the sport of archery, but not taking that step into hunting. And, and you know, I think in, you know, being a UFC guy, I think Joe Rogan has done more for the sport of archery than anybody else, hands down. 
uh, because he's a voice that not only promotes hunting, but he promotes just, hey, this is archery. This is a fun way to get outside, to spend time with the kids. It's something you can do every day, rain or shine, indoors, outdoors. You can just enjoy doing this. So I think, especially through COVID, there was a lot of people that picked up a bow and just started shooting, but yet they, they've been on the fringe about taking that step into hunting. What do you say to that guy or that, or that girl? You don't, well, in my experience, you don't have to say anything to him because my wife was the same way. She's like, oh, I want to shoot a bow. I don't want to hunt. I don't want to kill animals, this and that, this and that. Then when she got so good where she was shooting lights out with her bow out to like 40 yards, she was like, you know, I want to test myself. Now. I want to see if I can actually do that on the real animal. Same thing with Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar, UFC Hall of Famer, newly inducted. I during the COVID, like you said, we ain't had nothing to do. Jim's was going. He asked if I can get him a bow. I reached out to PSC. They sent him a bow. I got it set up for him. He asked, yo, can I come in the house and take some lessons? Like, yeah, come on. He'll come over here often and bring his truck and we shoot in the yard. And I was like, bro, I want to hunt. I want to go out and see if I can do it for real. It's like, you really don't. I feel like when they get really get into shooting, it's kind of like, like a high. If you smoke weed for the first time, you get high and then they, it's like, oh, I want to feel that same feeling you feel the first time, but you'll never feel that feeling again. And so it, the addiction grows stronger and how people end up on hardcore drugs and they're always searching that first high. And that same thing goes with, once you get to the point where you shooting lights out of target, it's like, it's fun, but it's not as intriguing as it was the, when you first started shooting. It was like, when you first started shooting, your goal was like, oh, I want to shoot all five of these arrows and hit the bullseye. That's at 20 yards. Now you hit all five at 20. Then you go out 30, 40, 50, whatever. You're doing the same thing. It's like, man, this is fun. But now I got to find another way to test. You can either go really long distance or from my experience, everybody say, yo, I want to go try to kill one. Can you take me out? But yeah, send in the hunter safety card app or whatever. Do this course. Once you pass that, go to the store and get licensed. Hit me up. Or you can do an apprentice and I'll take you out, whatever it is. So I've had three people that I've taught to shoot a bow, never seen a bow, taught to shoot a bow, wanted to go out hunt. And successfully killed a deer. You know what I mean? But that's all started. I didn't have to, I never pushed it on anybody. I think also in the pandemic, though, when the stores was getting ramshacked with meat and toilet paper, it was like a survival tactic people started thinking about. It's like the food wasn't there anymore. So, like, oh, if I can get venison. Corey always got venison. He always got freezer full of meat. If I can kill one, that'd be cool. And then also, like, if everybody thought the world was going to come to an end. Now you can provide. You know what I mean? If the stores is no longer open, you go out and kill your own, whether it's a bird, a squirrel, a deer, whatever it is. And then from there, it's just kind of like a slippery slope. Once you get that, you want to learn how to do gardening and all that extra stuff. And then you can have, live off the land. But if you had to tell somebody, and I just say you can kill your own food. Live yeah. off the land. That's the thing. Everybody do GMO and or no GMO and organic and all that, it gets no more organic than sending the arrow straight from the tree to your deer, pulling it out, processing it, and throwing it on the grill. There's yeah. nothing in it. There's no additives, no anything. Natural. I think that was one of the best things, you know, outside of people just getting into archery. And you talk to anybody in the outdoor industry, COVID was a good year because everybody wanted to get outside. Outside of just getting people in the outdoors, the relationship to meat changed everybody's mind about hunting because there were people that were calling me saying, dude, I can't get any beef. Can I have some venison? There were people calling me that I had heard before say, I don't like venison. I'm not going to eat it. 
But then when COVID comes, they're calling saying, dude, I need meat. Can I have some meat? And I'm like, I thought you didn't like venison. Like, yeah, but I can't get any other meat. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Come get some. So I think it was really good to teach people that relationship to their meat. However, um, I wanted that you said you've gotten three people involved in, in hunting. Now you have a very unique opportunity. The people that I'm around are hunters. I mean, I, I'm around hunters. Um, and if I'm not around hunters, I'm around people, you know, I live in, in Wellington, Kansas, dude, everybody has been hunting, knows somebody who hunts, you know, it's never like, a, Oh, you're a hunter. What's that like? But you probably get to talk to a whole lot of people that have never been around or been introduced to hunting. So given that unique situation, what, what do those conversations generally look like for you when you start talking about hunting to people who've never seen it, heard about it, been around it, know anything about it? I mean, it varies. The people that love eating meat and stuff, you tell them, man, that's cool, you kill your own. I want to do that. Yo, that's something like I can do. Like one of my jiu-jitsu coaches, like, yeah, I could do that too, right? Like, I can, I can go out my handgun. Like, no, you can't just go out there with a handgun. This states you can with a handgun, but New Jersey, you can't do that. Like, what? They be in my yard. I can't just shoot them and you come over and process them. Like, no, coach, you cannot do that. <laughs> you got just not allowed. Not in New Jersey. And don't and tell them I told you you could either. <laughs> then there's some people that be like, oh my God, I can't believe you killed that harmless animal. But then I go to a barbecue or a party or something and I'll see that same person eating a burger. I'm like, you do know how that pig, that cow or pig, whatever it is you eating, was killed, right? It was way less humane than what I'm doing. Like, I put an arrow through it, it go about 20, 30 yards, it might be alive for a minute or two, and it's dead. That cow or pig, whatever you're eating, it was bread, born and bred to get as fat as it can, pumped with all kinds of stuff, and then torture in a slaughterhouse to give you that pork chop or that burger, whatever it is you eat. Maybe looking like, oh my God, I never thought about that. But yeah, I know. I know you didn't, but I do. <laughs> it's like, I'm a, so that, I'm an that's something I, do, I respect vegans a lot more than I respect people who let somebody else kill their meat. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I love a good burger or steak or whatever? Pork chop, you know, like you mentioned. However, those people that, that talk about me negatively as a hunter that eat meat, those are the ones I have a problem with. Those are the ones I have issues with when they choose to, to shield themselves and hide from the reality that something had to die for you to eat that. I just choose to do it myself and eat raw organic protein rather than having, like you said, somebody else do it for me. I have no respect for that person who says, you're so wrong for being a hunter. How could you do that? but yet they shove their face full of McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or, you know, whatever, a burger at a barbecue, uh, at a, at a barbecue. Th those bug me so much. The people who eat meat but say I'm wrong for hunting. Yeah. I mean, I've actually had an incident with uh, one of my sponsors. Like I guess I've seen them at the barbecue. It wasn't a sponsor. So my sponsor was cool with it. He actually lived in Hunts' property. He got like 40 acres behind his house. And once he got the house, he called me, yo, I bought this new place with all this land. I know you a hunter. You're more than welcome to come hunt. But uh, me and my father, we went black bear hunting, and we killed black bear. We posted a picture of it. And we posted a picture cooking it and eating it just so people know, oh, you're just killing the bear? Like, no, we eating the bear, too. And then one of the ladies that was on the sponsor team with me, said, oh, my God, I can't believe you're out there going in the woods and kill a harmless animal in their house. And then this her bear, she said, why wouldn't you just go to the store and just buy the meat? And I was like, are you kidding? Did you really just say that? Like, you mad that I killed it, but you telling me to go to the store and buy it. 
And that's all I said. And she kept going. I never said nothing back. When I get back to the States, the sponsor called me like, yo, I just want to apologize for what such and such said on Instagram. Like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, that girl, isn't that? I was like, because I had seen her at a party before and her and her husband were bodybuilders smashing like burgers, like six, seven of them at a time. And I just want to apologize, let you know they're no longer part of the team. Like, what's like anybody, first of all, if anybody is dumb enough to make that much of a statement to be mad at you for killing your own meat, but tell you to go buy somebody else and meet they kill. I don't want to be part of it. And in another part, if somebody that would disrespect one of her own teammates like that, I want no part of it. So I had so much respect for the sponsor. And to this day, we like family now because of that incident alone. It's like instead of trying to join in with her and the rest of the people that was against me hunting and try to bash me, he stood up for like, yo, this man is going out and killing his own food naturally. And he actually asked me to bring him some. And he filmed himself grilling up a venison steak and eating it. So if anybody has something to say, stay it to my face and you can lead the team too. So like, it's just, it's a crazy world. These people out here that think like the food just was grown for, or the meat was grown from the ground and just ends up in a package on a store shelf. It's, it's wild. Yeah. And not only that, like they hide themselves from, they, they, there's a massive disconnect from if you want to eat, something dies. And even the people that think, I'm a vegan, nothing dies because I eat. You're an idiot. Like, because those mass producers of the lettuce that you're eating are killing more than I kill by one killing one deer, I promise. Um, (laughs) But they just hide themselves to the fact that there is a circle of life. And if you want to survive, something dies. That's how it works. That's how it happens. Guys, you've probably heard the saying, if you don't use it, then you lose it. And the same is very true with your feet and your ankles. And you guys know I am a big proponent of prioritizing your feet. I want to take care of my feet when I'm on the mountain, when I'm in the woods with a good pair of boot and a good pair of socks. However, that ideology of prioritizing your feet, it starts way before you get on the mountain. I want to train my foot and my ankle to be strong. How do I do that? With the barefoot boot. This looks like something you've never seen before, but I introduce you to one of the best ways to strengthen your ankle and your foot. This right here is going to train your foot and your ankle to be strong. The barefoot boot. Guys, we have been taught all of our life that put your foot in a super cushioned shoe with a lot of of cushioning and a lot of arch support. Why? Because it's comfortable. However, what that's doing is that's weakening your foot and your ankle because they're not being used the way that God intended them to be used. This right here goes way beyond being a zero drop shoe. This is a barefoot style boot, which is going to replicate being barefoot. In other words, I get to use my feet and my ankles the way that God intended them to be used, and I'm going to strengthen that foot and that ankle. Because guys, when we don't use our feet and our ankle, it's going to cause a lot of problems. It's going to cause our knees to hurt, our back to hurt. It's going to cause those tissues and those the way that that functions to break down. So this right here is a training method that I wear on a daily basis as I just go throughout my life to train that foot and that ankle. Now, am I going to strap these on and go on the mountains with them? No, but I'm going to wear these all year long to build that foot and that ankle to be stronger. So when I do put my foot in a high quality, you know, mountain boot, it's going to be stronger 
and more prepared for the mountain. Guys, these things are incredibly well built. They're incredibly well made. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about with with your feet and your ankles, I would highly encourage you to go check out episode 188, where I am with Mr. Chris Duffin, the mad scientist himself, one of the co-founders of Barefoot Boots. He was also a world record deadlift setter and squat setter. He knows about the foot and the ankle, and we talk all about using that and strengthening that with something like a barefoot boot. So guys, go check out Barefoot Boots. That's B-E-A-R, just like Bear Archery, Barefoot Boots. You can go to the Barefoot store barefoot.store on the internet and you can even use code trainwild in all caps to get a discount on your on your pair of barefoot boots or barefoot shoes but guys start prioritizing your feet and your ankle start strengthening that foot and that ankle so you can be happier and healthier on the mountain so has there who who's been the who's been the coolest not not person specifically but like the coolest situation where you've gotten to take somebody and introduce them to archery get them hunting get them involved What's been the coolest kind of situation there for you? I think it would be Frank Yeager for me because him, he's like my mentor in the fight game. You know, if you follow the ultimate fighter, you would see I was on there. Kid with zero, like three fights, knew nothing. Um, won the fight again and Frankie picked me first. From there, I won the ultimate fighter. Then he invites me to move to Jersey, live in his father-in-law's house so I can train with them and just learn the game because he saw something in me and knew I could be a world champion one day and and just to go ahead and share that with him, because when I got here, they some still call me Big Country, like Big Country, old Country core because I came from Illinois, never even knew they had woods in New Jersey. I was dead set on not moving here or not coming here because I'm a country boy. I need woods, I need hunting, I need all that. My man was like, brother, do you find something? Just go. And then Frankie was like one of the first people to actually show interest and want to do it. I got on the boat and he took his seat. The only thing we haven't got him out to do was hunt. Everybody else I've talked, I got him out to hunt. Him, he's just so busy with his schedule. He always asks me at the gym, like, yo, season's in, when can we go? And when I go, he's just always so busy. But uh, just to see his excitement and then his, he got a podcast. His podcast host, Roger Matthews from Jersey Shore. He also, oh, PSC sent me a bow years ago. Oh, maybe I can get another one. So I got him hooked up with a bow. And then he wanted to come out, so we're trying to do a hunt with all three of them, with all three of us. But that's probably my coolest one to just see because he grew up in Jersey Shore, never knew nothing about hunting, never really seen, never introduced to a bow, any of that. And so after I taught him how to teach here, and he was going to the gym, raving air about like, bro, y'all got to do this. It's so therapeutic. I see our Corey out there all day. Like, that's why Corey hunts, then come to practice and leave practice and go back hunting. It's so therapeutic. You're shooting the bow. Nothing else matters. It's just like, you focus on that little target, and once you hit the bullseye, so it's a drilling rush. Like so, that's probably the coolest to see how excited somebody, Frankie, been a world champ, been to the top of the top, and the lowest of lows in the fight game, can get so excited over something so small that means so much to me. And I like it got to the point where he turned his garage into like a target area. He had targets in his garage, shooting from the street because he lives in the neighborhood into his garage. But then, like, his wife would be posting videos from the house, like, walking out of the garage with him shooting, like, yo, Renee, that's not smart. Like, Frankie, maybe you should shoot somewhere else, bro. That's not like, God, she may not come out. Like, no, that's not smart. Because that arrow could ricochet at any point. <laughs> and she was like, I don't care. If his arrow hits me, he got to take care of the kids. I'm like, I don't know if it works that way. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, he got that much into it where he... Like, he doesn't have a yard, a yard where he can shoot. 
literally lives in the subdivision area. A driveway going to the driveway, a driveway going to the garage. He puts target in the back of the garage, a big old target, and goes out in the cul-de-sac and shoots up his driveway. And the kids and stuff <laughs> walking around like, yeah, you can't do that, Frank. Just come to Miles. You, you come shoot him Miles. I got problems, bro. Come shoot over here. But he just wanted to shoot his bow. He was that excited to keep shooting and getting better. That, but that is was cool for me to see somebody that's been through and done all he's done to get that excited over something so small. That is cool, man. So you talked about the progressive change that takes place in hunters and, and you know, wanting to take that next step, wanting to try something new, uh, push themselves to be better, and, and which, again, correlates perfect, perfect to the hunting world or to the, to the fight world. But what's that next push for you? Like you, I mean, you've, you're a successful deer hunter. What's that next push for you? What do you want to try next? Go to the next level and, and be a better outdoorsman, better sportsman, better hunter. Um, but so my next thing for like after fighting or into hunting period, what do you mean? In, in hunting, what, what, how do you want to continue to push yourself in hunting? So my thing, I want to get an elk, you know, that's my next bucket list goal. That was last year's goal to go on my first elk hunt. I did that. Me and my brother-in-law, we went, we're unsuccessful over the counter. In uh, Colorado, we called in one. We put a stalk on another. Now, this year, the goal is to harvest my first elk. And after I do that, it'll be do a moose or something like that. And then I always say once I get to the point where I'm kind of like dead on with all my shots, so I can get on the elk and do it pretty easy, then I'll move to traditional bow. Start doing that same thing, same process. Kill a white tail with a tra- trap bow, a black bear with a trap bow, moose, set, elk hunting, whatever. You know, just challenge myself. But uh, it's always more you can do. Just got to dig a little bit and figure out what it is. So that right there is my next progression. Get that elk first. Like I said, I could do like a guided hunt where we're most likely going to get into them. And you stay in a hotel, resort, and all that kind of stuff. We went my first time. We drove the trucks to the bottom of the mountains. Got all our stuff in the packs. Hiked up to 9,500 feet. Camped out, got up every morning, go up to 13.5, up and down, up and down, calling, scroll or crawling, uh, climbing, scanning, glassing, calling, moving around. Then it was, that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I'm going to do it again until I kill one. And then it's funny when you're on the mountain, you're saying, this sucks, dude. I'm never doing this again. You immediately get home and you're like, God, I can't wait to go back, dude. Yeah, I was just saying it sucked, but I never said I wasn't going to do it again. I looked at my brother-in-law because he was struggling. I said, man, it sucked. I'm like, bro, I thought I, he's done an elk hunt before, but he did it with a guy. He's like, bro, this, this is like horrible. Like, I thought I was in shape. I was climbing hills with my weight in this and my training mask. Come on, I'm dying here. Like, I ain't going to let you die, bro. Come on. Like, I can't wait to do it again. If we don't get one this time, I'm coming back. Like, 100%. He said to you, 100%. I'm coming back. This is the way to do it. This is it. Like, you're really out here. And that's, yeah. you just don't know what's gonna happen. Anything can come through camp. You can come across anything in the field. It was, it was cool. It was an experience. I just want to do it again. Now, have you, uh, have you ever bear hunted in New Jersey? Because they got some giant bears, dude. No, I have not bear hunted in New Jersey. Actually, uh, so this year when I thought about doing it, I was actually so I live in Indiana, but I do my fight camps here in New Jersey. So I was actually back in Indiana when the season came out. And then, uh. The other past years around where I am, Governor Murphy has shut down the seasons around here. And uh, there's a guy, one of my coaches up north, and his, he was sending me videos of Black Bears walking through his parents' properties. Like they just, he's like, oh, we just excavated all this land. 
It's just flat. Well, look at all those bears that are just walking across the wide open. Like, come get one. I just never made it up there. It was so far up. But I would definitely do it if I was here with the time and not training. I would definitely go up and give it a try. Yeah, dude. Bear bear hunting has become an addiction for me. I, I love bear hunting. Uh, and I've always wanted to make it to New Jersey because there are giant bears in New Jersey. Um, but you talked about wanting to go to the biggest bears are in North Carolina. Yeah. Yep. North Carolina, Wisconsin, um, has big bears. Um, that's, what's funny, dude, is people think bears are like, I, I, I don't know. They like, you tell somebody like, I'm going bear hunting, like bears. And I'm like, yeah, you live in Oklahoma. There's bears where you live. Like there's bears in our, like they think there's some mythical far off creature. And I'm like, do you realize that most states have bears? Um, most states have a, a huntable bear population even. Uh, but but people just immediately think that bear hunting is like some far-off mythical hunt. And I'm like, not really, man. You can kill bears in a whole lot of places. Um, but you talked about wanting to make the transition to traditional archery. One of the best things I've ever done for myself was make that transition. Uh, because you get to the point, and somebody told me this uh, – Tom Clum from from Solid Archery Mechanics. Um, he was like, dude, I, I would encourage you to switch. And I'm like, why? And he said, because you get to the point in with a compound where you're either shooting good and you're satisfied or you're shooting bad and you're pissed. Like, because there's never like that euphoric high anymore. You know, you just pull your bow mm-hmm. out, fling an arrow and you're hitting it. He's like, but with traditional archery, it sucks so much that you're either shooting decent and you're satisfied or you're shooting good and you're like euphorically high. And, uh, sure enough, man, it, that's, I don't even like shooting my compound anymore. I do every once in a while, but because he's right, there is no, you know, I can take a year off from shooting a compound go out at 40 yards and hit a, hit a, hit a target. But with a recurve, it takes daily practice. And there's still days where you go out and you're like, dude, this is just not for me today. Like what happened? Um, and so it really is like, it's the most challenging thing I've ever done to make that switch. But also when I shot a deer with it, it was like, it was like I was 12 again, shooting one for the first time with a rifle, like just so incredibly psyched when I, I shot a bear in, in uh, Idaho with it last year, just so incredibly high on life, dude, that you just shot one with a recurve and, and it's just so much different, man. So I'm excited to watch you make that switch because being a competitive guy, being somebody who obviously likes just going through sucky situations, I think you'd enjoy it a whole lot. Yeah, well, I don't think I'm making that switch. Sometimes just, yeah, I got to get my oak first, then get my moose, then I'll probably start switching for whitetail. But until then, I got to have my success rate. I got to have some kind of success rate. You know what I mean? I want to start completely at the bottom and don't be getting that, and I'll be mad at myself. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's the thing. I'm the I'm a kind of person like once I start something, I'm not gonna start like oh, I don't have success and just go back. I'm yeah. gonna keep going with like oh, I'm getting frustrated and think too. Even with a compound, it's so I'm such a big guy. It's kind of hard to stay completely blended in the tree. When I stand up to shoot, unless I'm in the saddle behind a big tree, it's a lot of brush. They usually pick it, and I don't even move much. I just they're just like the other day I was out here in Jersey, still open white tip. In between two trees, I'm thinking it's perfect. You know, perfect setup. Got some trees behind my backdrop. And I've been standing up the whole time. Never move. Got the camera going. Where they coming from? Never move. Waiting. 
and one deer in the back, and the wind is in my face. I can't smell one deer in the back having to look up. And I see his head start doing this and looking dead at me. And it starts stomping. And all the does look at me. And the one doe is like 20 yards. I'm still sitting there still. Never even moved yet. Still looking at just looking down at that one doe. Look dead at me. And turn around like, you sent him. Like, I didn't even move. <laughs> like, I'm leaning up against the tree, stiff as a board, waiting for y'all to come into my shoe. Like, like, how did you see? And it's just, I just think about it. Like, just imagine someone seeing this big 240-pound man <laughs> up between trees. Like, I'm pretty sure... They've been through this area quite a few times. They've never seen this big blob sitting up here. Granted, they can't make me out. They just know something looks different up there. I, just, uh, my so pet peeve is <laughs> my pet peeve is when the does have been there for twenty minutes, thirty minutes, then they blow. You're like, if I wanted you dead, I could have killed you eighty four times already, and then you decide <laughs> yeah, to blow now and, and throw a fit. They finish getting all their feeding done, they grazing. Like, all right, now let's let everybody else know. Don't come around here. Yeah, yeah but I got to think with the traditional bow. It's like they got to get even closer. So that's, they really going to pick me off. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So when let me ask you a comes, question. What would you say your average shot distance with a compound is? I mean, I like them within 20, but unless I'm in a blind. If I'm in a blind, 20 is fine. They can't really see me. They blend in. They brushed in with a tree. I usually set... Off from trails from 25 to about 33, 35. That way, okay. give me a little bit more time that I can draw before they get there. When they get there, it's like I got so much brush around me, like it's kind of hard. You know, they can see very well. I feel like that extra 10 to 15 yards help, help kind of like distinguish, like it make them do the head bob a little bit more. And when they put their head down, I'm already at draw and it's time to smoke them. You know, yeah. the 20 yards, I feel like. By the time I start drawing, because I got 32 and a half inch draw, so I'm doing nice and slow. Oh, it's a long, long, long draw to get here. By the time I'm there, they just spotted me off. It's like, yeah. if I yanked it back fast, it'd be too fast, they'll see movement. So it's like, I'll be slowly drawing, and one of them be walking, and just having to be dipping, they'll see that movement. I'm stuck at half. Then I start shaking. It's like, nah. 30 yards, I start drawing at 40, and I got time before they get in that window to see me. By the time they see me, one of them already is in my shooting lane. It's too late. You're going down. Sorry. See, I always made that. Uh, I always made that. I don't want to say excuse, but I always made that argument of, "Well, I gotta let them get closer." Then I started doing a whole lot of research, and the average shot distance for Pope and Young animals is 17 yards, which is completely doable with a recurve. And I just thought, okay, well, if if and that's not just traditional archery; that's compounds and everything. But the average shot distance for a Pope and Young animal is 17 yards. I just thought, man. If I can shoot 17 yards with a recurve, I'll be fine. And so I just started working with it, man. And now don't get me wrong. I went on an elk hunt last year and I packed the compound because I'm like, I don't want an elk hung up at 40 yards and then drive back 1,800 miles thinking, God, I wish I would have had my compound. Um, so I took the compound on an elk hunt. But guys, there's one fabric that if you're not wearing, you absolutely should be. It's a magic fabric. It changes everything about the way you layer, everything about the way you dress, everything about the way you hunt, and that is merino wool. I couldn't even begin to tell you all of the benefits of merino wool, and I'm going to miss some for sure. But guys, whether it's summer or whether it's winter, uh, this is going to keep you cool in the in the summer. It's moisture wicking. It's going to pull the moisture away from your body, but it's also going to hold your heat in the winter. It is antimicrobial. It doesn't smell. It doesn't hold scent like other fabrics does. So if you're out on a five-day hunt, you don't have access to a washer, 
this is not going to hold your scent. It's not going to to get stinky and nasty. Um, it's also, uh, quick drying. Um, you can hang this up in your tent. You can hang it up, uh, on a clothesline. It's going to dry really quick. But the coolest part about Merino, in my opinion, is that when it gets wet, it still maintains, it still maintains its warmth properties. So if there's a light rain or a snow and this gets wet, it's still going to keep me warm. There's no itch. There's it's, it's non-allergenic. It's an amazing, an amazing fabric. Minus 33. I, stumbled upon minus 33 by accident. I was on backcountry.com and they were having a blowout sale. I needed some new Merino for a hunt that was coming up. And so I, I dove in, I bought it. And when I got it, it was the softest, best Merino I have ever felt in my entire life. I've not worn anything but minus 33 socks for everyday life, whether I'm hunting, hiking, or just, you know, out for the day. I haven't worn anything but minus 33 socks in over a year and a half. Every single day I'm wearing their underwear. Every single time I'm out hunting, whether it's 100 or whether it's 5, I'm wearing some sort of beanie to cover up my chrome dome and to keep that covered up and warm uh, or cool Whether if it's in the summer. But also um, that UV protectant. I like to wear it in the summer. Um, guys, minus 33 does Merino, in my opinion, better than anybody else does it. Go check out minus 33 for all your Merino wool. And if you haven't ever tried Merino, Guys, you are missing out. It will change the way you layer. It will change the way you hunt. Go check out Marina Wool and go check out Minus 33. Now, one thing that I I, I really do, I, I, I like about what you do is you make it an effort. And just now you were just out with your kids, just in the outdoors, not even hunting, just getting them outside. Um, you make a strong effort to get your kids in the outdoors. Have they been receptive to it? I mean, do all of your kids like to get out, like to shoot bows? Or has there been any kind of, nah, I don't, I don't really want to do that. No, nah, my kids don't have tablets and all that stuff. All they like is going outdoors. Remember, let them watch screen, got a little bit of screen time. We want to get stuff done, watch TV. But for the most part, playtime is going outside. They love going outside. When I'm back yeah. in Indiana, I go to my bow shop. Even here, I just haven't been in the bow shop here because I've been in fight camp. But when I'm back home and I ain't doing it, I go to the bow shop. I'm like, Dad, can I come out with you? Oh, yeah, he got his little tool bench in, the, in my bow shop where he act like he working on his bow. Like, I'm working on my bow today. Look, I'm doing this for guy. Like, hey, can I shoot for a little bit? Like, yeah, you can shoot. I got the target in there. Like, something like I use it for paper tuning, but for him, it's perfect. His arrow, his arrow can go from one side of the little shop to the other side and hit the target and stick, and he gets excited about it. Then I want to go outside and shoot. Like, no, you not set. You don't know how to anchor and hold it still and aim at 20 yards. Yeah, man, we're going to start here. Once you get in here, we'll go out. My daughter has his old bow, the, uh, PSE guy is to do with fingers and she'll go out, pull it back with her and help her and release the arrow. Like everybody does. And it's like one of those things. It's kind of like the kids don't do what you tell them. They do what they see. Yeah. My son, they go to the gym and watch me train all the time. Well, guess what? Now, nah, I want to, I want to do kickboxing. Dad, dad, I want to wrestle. Dad, dad, I want to do jujitsu. But he does jujitsu now. He's done kickboxing, you know, and that's the things he likes because that's what daddy does. I don't push it on him. But you see, yeah. that's what they daddy do. And they want to get, they want to do what daddy doing. He likes it. I took him out hunting this year. We got our first doe together. He wanted to track it. Daddy, daddy, daddy let's go find, let's go find it. He was so excited. All right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go uh, put the e-bike up and bring back the side by side. And then we can go out. And that way we find him. We load him up. I said, okay. I told him what to do. Like, all right, here's the arrow. You see all that blood? It's a good hit, right? So what you got to do is look, we in the bean feel like find the blood. Not everything here is yellow. The beans are dry, so it's going to be easy to find the blood and follow. 
Just follow. Go ahead. Everywhere you see red, that's the blood. Dad, look. Dad, look. Dad, oh, it's a deer. He loved it. Now you want to keep going hunting. Dad, can I go hunt again? Dad, I want to go hunt again. When can we go hunt again? It's just, you know, it's like I don't push anything on my kids. I'm going to let them do whatever they want to do. But if they end up falling in love with the things I fall in love with, that's just even even better. Dude, that's so, so cool, man. Yeah, I uh, this year was the first year. I took my son out last year hunting with me, uh, but he was four. Um, and it's hard to get a deer to come 20 yards when you got a four-year-old with you. Um, this year he was five, and so I took him out more. And there was one night where the hunting actually looked pretty good. And not to sound like a bad parent, but if the hunting was going to be good, I'd leave him at home. You know, I didn't want him to, to blow it. But I just said, you know what, I'm going to take him. It's middle of the rut here in Kansas. I mean, picture perfect. I said, you know what, I'm going to take a decoy. That way, if we do see deer, it'll be interesting for him. And uh, sure enough, we had a buck come out about 120 yards and, you know, really wasn't a giant. Um, he scored 125 inches, barely made Pope and Young. And uh, I, I just told my son, my son said, Dad, can we shoot him? I'm like, if you want to, dude, we're going to punch, punch an arrow through him. And so I start grunting at him and and rattling at him, and he locks eyes of that decoy and comes in and bows up on that decoy. I mean, picture perfect for a five-year-old to be watching this. In his eyes, I look over, and his eyes are just massive. And, uh, dude, the the scenario you just said was was exactly what my son and I went through. Like, I shot it, and we he immediately says, Dad, let's call Pop Pop. That's what he calls my dad. And so – I FaceTime my dad and he's like, we just shot a buck. We just shot a buck. He's just screaming at my dad. And, uh, and we go through the, through the field and I just hear him. I saw where he dropped, but I, I wanted to teach him tracking and blood trailing. So, you know, took him to the arrow, just like you said. And then like when I, I'm just listening to him and as he's falling the blood, I just hear him whispering into himself, no freaking way, no freaking way, no freaking way. And then he <laughs> runs across the field to that buck, dude. It was, uh, it was the, an unreal situation. Like to this day, man, I, I don't know how you can beat that. Like, I, I don't care if a stinging 400 inch bull comes out screaming in my face, like that being there with my son, like, and him seeing that and being around now, of course, when he shoots his first one, it'll be better, but it was just unreal, man. Absolutely unreal. Well, that's exactly what I told everybody. That's probably one of the greatest memories I have in my life. But even better than fighting and everything, it also done nothing compared to that. Like seeing my son get that excited, tracking blood and finding that deer. Like when we came around, it was like the beans. The deer ran across the bean field and died in a little drop, the little trail that we drive the side by side on. But it's like tall grass, kind of like, not like switch grass, but just tall brush that I left up so they don't see us walking. And like was walking, as soon as he popped out, he looked at him like, Dad, look, Dad, 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 here it is. Like, yeah, man, that's the deer. And I just see him get excited and run up on him. Like, I want to help you good and everything. So everybody, that's probably one of the greatest memories I got. Until he can get one of his own, that's going to probably be the top hunting memory I had. That first kill with my son. And like, I took him last year when he was three. And that was no way we was going to get anything. Like a little pop-up of Mary Step Blind. About 20 yards from where they come out, like everything that moved, dang, dear, dang, dear, dang, dear. And even then, that was probably one of the most exciting moments for me. Like I had the camera rise, turn the camera, put it on him for a little bit, let him get excited. I turned it off and just sat there, put my bow down. I didn't know it was going to come just to watch him get excited, thinking he's seeing deer everywhere. Then this year, we went out the first time I told him, we went out for the buck, my shooter buck. I had an 11 pointer on my property. And I explained, like, remember, you got to be super quiet, man. They're going to come around. We're in a big, muddy blind now. They're going to come close, so I'm going to walk right past us. 
But we can't, we gotta be quiet because they can still, they can hear this movement and everything over in there. So we had like three does walk literally right in front of the window. Hey, look, hey, look. He'll pull out my range find I used range find. I go, he sees something like that. You see those deer way over there. And it was deer. And then like the bugs came out and I thought, oh, the hell, look at that. We can shoot down. <laughs> like, that's too far, man. It gotta get closer. It gotta get closer. Oh, daddy, shoot. You can shoot. I see you shoot far. You can shoot far. <laughs> I just see him getting so excited. We had, we, didn't kill it. we had a bobcat. <laughs> we had a bobcat at like 200 yards. And I had my recurve. And he was like, Dad, shoot that bobcat. And I'm like, dude, that's 200 <laughs> yards. Like, and it's a bobcat. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ain't happening, bud. No, but that's something I strive to do. Like you said, like the first couple times I, I felt like a drill sergeant. I'm like, sit down and shut up. Like, don't move, dude. Quit moving. And he would, you know, move to get a candy bar or whatever. I'm like, stop moving. And, and I, you know, I just told myself, I'm like, he's not going to like this. If I don't let him have fun, he's not going to like it. You know, walking into the tree stand, he's like, dad, look, uh, a, uh, a acorn. And he wants to stop and pick it up. So it takes two hours to get to our tree stand. Cause he's like, dad, look a stick. And he wants to carry it. And I'm like, yeah, bud, that's a stick. But I, I've just told everybody since then, I learned a valuable lesson and that's let the kid have fun. Like, yeah, they're, you're going to blow deer out. You're going to mess up. Like it, it's inevitable. So did you when you were starting out. But if you don't let that kid have fun, they're not going to be a hunter. Like they're not going to want to keep going. They're not going to want to go sit and not, they want to have fun, make it fun for them. And so that was a, a, a very valuable lesson. How old's your boy now? You said four. He's four. He'll be five in March. All right. So we, I got to ask you another question. You said, do his daddy do. Does he just go around punching everybody in the face? Like, does he just want to fight everybody? <laughs> so now there is times we've been to a birthday party where he was like, I think he did three or two at a time. It was another one of my sponsors' birthday party. His son, same age. And I don't even know what happened. But I know where they playing. My wife was like, Corey, look, Corey, look. And my son was and like, right as I look, he was just like, <laughs> just hit the kid. <laughs> like, see, you can't, you can't do that. I was like, you see that right hand? That was a nice right hand. Like, stop. Like, <laughs> I was about to say, as a fighter, don't lie, dude. He was a little proud, too. You're like, dang, He turned it over and everything. And like his sister, no, not she the one. Not she's bad. Like, she's fighting. Every time a little girl, somebody come to fight on something, she pushing people down, grabbing them, throwing them to the ground, punching them, pushing them, pulling hair, scratching them. It's like, Nina, stop. <laughs> and she always growl. Arr! I was like, stop. I'm like, where did she get that from? Where did she get that growl from? Then I'll be doing something in the kitchen or downstairs. I get flushed. I go, like, oh, <laughs> that's what she got it from. It's frustration coming out of us. Like, that's my girl. But That's cool, yeah. man. So two questions before I wrap up. What's the best outside of your son? Because you've already shared that story. What's that number one memory for you in the woods? That That number one trophy. Maybe it is the biggest deer, but oftentimes it's not. But... What's that number one memory for you in the woods? My first deer. My first deer was like a 300-pound Illinois 10-point whitetail or a 10-point big old monster written whitetail. That's so, cool. How old yeah, were you at the was, time? I was coaching college wrestling, so we did 22 or 23. I've been cool, in high school, but I didn't kill my first one until late. I mean, well, being a college wrestler and an athlete, wrestling season is through hunting season every year. So yeah. it's like it was always I come home for Christmas, but I come home for Thanksgiving. 
And they let us off Thanksgiving break, but we wrestle all the way up until Thanksgiving Day. So we go home to eat for Thanksgiving, eat Thanksgiving dinner, and then we got to head back the next morning. So I never could really hunt. And yeah. then Christmas, we go home. What? The day before Christmas Eve, and we stay till New Year's. So, so all my hunting was always limited. Wrestling season goes through February, March. All the seasons are over with by then. But so when I was coaching, I actually went home one weekend. I didn't have to go on the road. Went home. You know, went to this little small spot I had, and not knowing what I was doing, blind call with the Primo's bull, the uh, roaring bull, whatever. Grunt my dad had his range finder, all his stuff, and stuff in my boat. And this grunt is raining. And everything ain't nothing coming. It's raining. I'm getting down. It started to get dark. I let my boat down. My old, I had a Fred Bear element, actually. I let it down. Uh, the same boy I got since high school. I'm getting ready to step on a ladder to climb down. I hear, I'm looking around like, is that the rain? Like, what the? What is it? Also, I see something white flicker in the woods. Like, oh, what is it? And all of a sudden, it's a buck just running straight through. He's coming to that grunt call straight to me. He runs out in a little small bean field. I jump back in the tree set. I pull my boy, and he goes to the bean field, and he stops, literally, like, right in his open. So it's like a bunch of trees overhanging. It's like one open, like, literally. So his vitals is like my mouth, like, right there in between the trees. And I was like, oh, this is God telling me. This is it. We draw back, smoke him at 25 yards. He run off and pile off in the other field, probably 40 yards on the other side of the trees. And again, I was like, it was a, it was like an adrenaline rush. I didn't know what I was doing. Never tracked a deer before. Never good at deer night at. So I'm running around. It's getting dark, trying to find it before it get dark. But I like, just calm down, find blood, blase, blase. I run, I go through the woods, or through the trees and step in the other field. And there he's like, oh, I found him, I found him. I was like, all right, start dragging him back. Cause I was driving my dad's, uh, excursion to go because I was back on visiting. I had a car. I drive him up to where he parked. I meet him, meet you with a truck. And it's raining. I'm in a muddy bean field. And I'm grabbing by the animals. I'm just pulling up through the mud. And I ain't thinking about gutting him nothing. I don't know anything. I'm just dragging this big ass butt book through the mud, slipping inside and laying on the car. I'm like, oh my God, look at that big book as you yeah man, it's crazy. I get back and my dad is like, what are you doing? Like you said, meet you at the spot. He was like, you gut him first. Like, get him what? He's like, you don't have a knife. You don't have gloves. It isn't. <laughs> At this point, my dad's killed several deer. I haven't killed anything. Like, wait, you can have all of He's like, boy, what are you even doing out here? <laughs> he pulls a little box cutter knife off his side. Like, here, get that deer. And that was like, it's the learning of I didn't know anything. The excitement I had to shoot deer, to walk up on a deer, Dragging that deer, sweating stuff through the mud and the rain, and just that's one of my core memories because that is how I got addicted to it. Every that's since cool. then, I've wanted to kill deer. That's cool. All right, let's get down to the uh, to the nitty gritty of the MMA. Who's the baddest dude you ever fought? Oh, baddest dude I ever fought? I'm gonna say, uh, I'll say Glover Sixer. Who's the who's the one guy yeah. you would never want to fight? There's no such thing. That's a good answer. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. like it. But I say okay. I would say Frankie Edgar because he's my mentor. I never want to fight Frankie Edgar because he's my mentor. But there's nobody out there that's scared. And nobody yeah. I'm ever going to say I can fight him. I want to fight him. If anything, I would say closest to it would be Francis Ngannou because just because I've seen how big and see what he can do. But they gave me a contract and they put them dollars and them zeros at the end. But yeah, you fighting Francis. Like, all right, let's go. We got to fight Francis. 
Time yeah. to get paid. What's uh? What would be the? What would be the? What would be uh? If I if I could draw up a fight for you, anybody in the world, who would it be? Somebody you John always Jones. wanted to fight. John Jones. That'd be awesome. That's the one I always wanted. That's the one they never gave me. Earned it a couple of times. I just every time it was my time to get to fight him. It was always some reason why we can't let you. Or you didn't do this. You didn't do that. And so I lost again. They're like, oh, now you lost. Now what? And that's when I parted ways to where I was and went to where I am now. It's kind of like, it is what it is. I ain't going to keep fighting an uphill battle. I ain't going to get to fight them. So go somewhere else and just make this money. Yeah. And that's what we do. Who's the uh, who's the coolest guy you've ever had the, the ability to get to meet? Like if you were to just say, I'm glad I got to meet that guy. Probably Joe Rogan. Yeah. It's pretty like it was. Did you guys get to like, shoot bows together? Yeah. Y'all see, you don't even follow my social media or my YouTube then because you would know that. We got an episode up on YouTube. Of us I will now. Yeah, me and Joe Rogan, uh, we did the podcast. And when he called me that, or hit me up on Instagram and asked me to do the podcast, like, make sure you bring your bow too. Like, all right, bet. And we went out there, we talked, fighting for what? Like two hours and forty five minutes, and he wanted to end the show. Like, yo, what the hell you do? Like, well, like I came here to talk hunting. I don't care about this fight and stuff. And we talked hunting for like another forty five to an hour shooting bows. And like, you brought the bow, right? Like, yeah, let's go shoot our bows. Like, let's go. And he had the Tecmo hunt inside the studio, and we shot that for like forty five minutes to an hour. But yeah, that was probably the coolest because just not only like he knew me from fighting, but even when you in his own space, he makes it seem natural. You end up. Acting like you're just hanging out with your homies. Like the podcast is just, you're literally just jaw jacking, laughing, having a good time. He ripping it, smoking weed, drinking, whatever he's doing. It's just like no pressure, just hanging out. You know, this is all the different doors he opened for you once you get to know him. It's like if you need a hookup or needs help or something, oh, I know a guy, let me, let me reach out real fast. I got you. So that's a good relationship I, I'm proud to say I have and that I have met him in my lifetime. Now the real question is, did you outshoot him? I mean, I think I did. Oh, there it goes. So it's like you, it based off your shots. Uh, no, I, have, I actually say I got screwed in one. In a real buck incident, like the way it was, it was quarter away. But I was aiming at that front shoulder, it would have been a hard shot. But since it was hard quarter away, and I shot it, hit like further back, and it was like bad shot, which scored me like, I think it was like up to the. Can't remember the point system, but it went from perfect shot, good shot, okay shot to bad shot, and pretty much all my shots were like perfect shot, perfect shot, or good shot. And that one, it gave me the red bad shot, so I think that kind of set me back. But that doesn't matter. You outshot him. That's all you. That's all you need to know. I mean, he only shot a couple just to show me how it went, and the rest he just watched me shoot. But I was pretty dead on. Like I was. I was showing out. You know what I mean? I came with the A game. I'll show Joe Rogan. I'm a shooter, baby. He said that <laughs> on the episode. Hey, guys, just so you know, Corey Anderson, he's got archery skills. Like, this, he can shoot. <laughs> yeah, like, I was on it. Bow, bow, bow. I was having really, really, what happened was he saw you shoot, like, the first four, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to shoot with him. I can't hang. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I didn't even think about that. I thought he was just letting me get some free time. No. Go have fun because it's something he do every day. That's what it was. I intimidated Joe. You heard it here first, folks, guys. Corey said, Corey said Joe sucks and he can't hang. Oh, I ain't say all that. 
Homeless ain't just time for a rematch. This man ain't just throwing out shot shots. Yeah. Don't get me time, banned out here. Time for a rematch. That's a, that, Next time, just take him a recurve and say, you shoot this, I'll shoot the compound, and, and we'll have fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he would do that. I'm pretty sure he probably shoots a recurve on the <laughs> side. I don't know. Maybe he don't. I just know he loves archery just as much as me. That's cool, man. Now, uh, plug your YouTube because I gotta. I'm gonna search it right now. Yeah, y'all don't be like Dylan. Make sure y'all go there and check it out. Outdoors with overtime, baby. Just like it is on the hoodie, the hat, everything. So, uh, yeah, we got the Instagram, TikTok. We're really TikTok, but we're trying to grow it. And the YouTube, um, everything outdoors with me outside of fighting. There's very little fighting. I had a little fight camp stuff on there, but everything else. It all started just to show people another side of Corey Anderson that they knew or that they didn't know. And I was outdoors hunting, taking my kids out, fishing, camping. I got to get some dirt bike stuff up. I do it all. Everything outdoors, that's me. So go out there, check it out. You, heard, you heard it here, folks. Dylan doesn't yeah, suck. Yeah. Subscribed. I got it. Now, I'm on there now. Dylan don't suck as much anymore. <laughs> anymore. Still still a little bit, but not as not as much. Only because he didn't know yet. You know, only <laughs> he didn't know yet. He's not that bad over. He's pretty cool. You know, from my first impression at the show and then now it's a guy I think I can hang out with, shoot Subscribe. But the fact that it took me this moment to make him subscribe. Hmm. That's not very loyal. I'm on now, though. I'm on now, though. I'm going to watch every single one of them tonight. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell two. Check me out, baby. How many many videos are on there right now, you think? Uh, I got a few hundred on there now. Oh, crap. All right. About four years consistently. I'll watch them all by Saturday afternoon. I've got got a few days. I'm going to watch them every single one of them. And I'm going to comment on every single one of them, too. I'm Dude, just gonna comment. Bring me back, push me back in the algorithm. New comments is fine. I'm just gonna comment. Corey is better than Joe Rogan at archery on every video. <laughs> You're gonna start a war. Somebody's going there, like, what is wrong with you, bro? It's gonna find some troll that's gonna find your Instagram and they're gonna be on your neck. <laughs> I'll do it on a. I'll do it under an alias. I'll do it oh. under an alias. Okay, there's a bunch of those out there. So that, I'll do work. it under. I'll do it under an alias. That way nobody knows who's making the comments. There you go. You got to keep you safe because they're going to yeah. find you. They find you. They, they trolls is ruthless. <laughs> Guys, if you have been around archery much at all, then you've probably heard the name Lancaster. And for good reason, Lancaster Archery is well-known worldwide and they have an incredible reputation worldwide. Why? Because they're archery experts on all things archery, from bow hunting to 3D shooting, from recurves to compounds. If it's archery, they not only sell the products, but they know the products. Guys, Lancaster is your one-stop shop for all things bear archery, every compound, recurve, all the equipment. But outside of bear, they have everything you need from arrows and broadheads to, to bow building equipment, everything. Guys, Lancaster Archery is a name that you can absolutely trust. They put out some of the best information that you can find just about anywhere. So I would highly encourage you 
to not only shop at LancasterArchery.com because you can trust in the products you're buying because they know about the products that you're buying, but also I would highly encourage you to check out all of their resources, not only on their website, but on their YouTube channel because they are a wealth of knowledge on all things archery. So guys, check out Lancaster Archery. They're your one-stop shop, not only for all of the equipment that you could ever possibly need that's archery-related, but also all of the information that you would ever need that is archery-related. LancasterArchery.com. Go check them out. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Go check out Corey Anderson on Instagram and YouTube. Don't forget to YouTube or he will fight you. Don't forget YouTube. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Y'all have a fantastic week.